0: Defend off with Ridge around the corner. Neil Bullen
1: pulls a back goal. Melbourne get another five in a row, and they have shown that right now they are the
0: best side in the competition, and they have beaten all comers. Stood up in the tackle. Back to Bolt. Look at the move. Look at the spin. show Bolt. Come on. What a free! Oh, will tick down and for the Collingwood Football Club this means a lot more than just the four points. One goal five Brown he's Unbelievable. One goal five bats. This is the moment of the game. He's got the opportunity to grasp it. He took that last shot and goal
1: very quickly Brown. Welcome to Sportspeak. Today, Jono joins me to discuss all the action from the AFL's round 12 and our latest power ranking.
0: I hope you had a delightful weekend, my I,
1: friend. I did have a delightful weekend, and I'm sure you had a good one too. Your team had a bye and therefore yeah. couldn't lose.
0: Close, closest as we're going to get to four points in a little while,
1: <laughs> I think. so. Uh, let's start with the biggest winner. Let's just kick right off.
0: So do you mean apart from the West Coast or do you mean the actual demons? Because <laughs> that was the game of the week. That was a really good display. And it's all the proof I need to know that the, the, the demons are for real this year. What
1: did yeah. you think? Because, I mean, I know you uh, you saw it on delays. Brisbane, to their credit, played a really good half. I mean, mm. you know, any team that's won seven in a row is in pretty good nick. But, you know, listening to the players' interviews thereafter, they, they – seemed to indicate that they thought they were playing a boring style, the Demons, in the first half and just not putting them under enough pressure. That flipped within 90 seconds of that third quarter. You could tell the difference in the game. So they are my biggest winner. I mean, and it's it's a collective now because they saw off Geelong earlier in the season and people made excuses. Geelong were out of form, blah, blah, blah. Um, They saw off the Tigers. People made excuses. The Tigers have injuries, blah, blah, blah. They saw off the Bulldogs, no Treloar, no Dunkley. There's a million reasons they didn't win, no crowd to fire them up. And now they're seen off the Lions, who were in red-hot Nick, seven in a row. And when you put all four of them together, they've still only lost one game by one point on the whole season. Yep. It, it, they've got to have so away. much belief. Yeah. It
0: really bodes well that you've got a coach that can make those half-time adjustments, because I think until we, that he was put under that pressure, that was probably... A thing that you needed to be a little bit leery about with with Goodwin, and I think that ticks a really big box for him. So he'll get a lot of he'll get a lot of momentum out of the playing group, but the fans will also take a lot and have a lot more confidence in him because for, up until now you'd say the jury has been out.
1: Well, I was listening to Cameron Mooney talking on Fox Footy afterwards as well because the whole replay shows that too, and he was comparing it to Geelong 07. Uh, just the way Goody's talking about. I I went to the leaders and I spoke with the leaders and he said it was very much what Bomber was doing at the time. It's all about leaders lead, the rest will follow. You've got to lead by example. So he's right on board. Lee Montagna's been on board all year. Uh, There's believers out there now and the people that aren't believing now are just Melbourne fans who are a bit jaded, I think.
0: You you put a resume together like the first half of this season and people have to take you seriously. If they're cherry right in September they're gonna go a pretty fair way and you know they'll be playing out of the G.
1: Yeah, real confidence about it.
0: <laughs>
1: Biggest loser for you for the round? Carlton, definitely Carlton. Today they had
0: every everything that could go right pre-game for them went right and they got beat and they're not a chance of the eight now. You should be able to beat a wounded West Coast team. Missing, you know, five, six, seven core players, and they didn't really put them under the pump. They got close a couple of times, but that's the biggest loser for me. If you were to play finals footy, you got to win these games. I think I've wasted too much time thinking about how good they could be because
1: I don't think they're going to make that. And I think, I think there's going to be a bloodletting out of Carlton again. They're my biggest loser too. So this is where we're in lockstep on these. The Blues were terrible. I watched the game. I told you before the game started, before the round started, that I was super keen to see what came between Carlton and West Coast. There was a real curiosity for me about it. I thought it was a must win for both. Carlton never had the desperation that said, we must win this game. And when you got Tim Kelly, Luke Shuey, Josh Kennedy, Oscar Allen, Jeremy McGovern, there's so many. And the Blues at no stage threatened to put them to the sword. They never looked like winning. No, I mean Harry McKay getting knocked out doesn't help. But they're just they're just a
0: disappointing side. Like they, they bought these they bought these front running guns, but look, you can't be just rampaging off off the, the half back flank and win footy games. And that's pretty much been proven in the way that they've played all year. So they flattered to deceive, and I think the proof's in the pudding now shot.
1: They're 0-7 against top eight teams. They did exactly what I said they've been doing for weeks, which is they lost by about three to four goals to a team that's apparently better than them. So to to drop that and drop it with a whimper in the last quarter against a team that has won the least last quarters in the season, I mean, far out. If a Carlton fan 4-8, and eight, oh, that's rough. Yeah. The Boys mm. Club book, we read an excerpt today. The West Coast Eagles, I suppose, expose on their drug culture, for lack of a better term. Yep, late 90s to early, well, to mid to late 2000s. We read an excerpt. It's in the book, The Boys Club by Mick Warner. I can't wait to read that book for starters. But what did you take out of today's... I mean, it's old news, but what did you take out of it? I think
0: it's just putting everything fully into the light. Everything that, you know, has been talked about and rumoured and this and that. And I mean... These whispers are still going on and it's been 15 years. I think this sort of stuff needs to come to light so it doesn't happen again. And I think that the interesting thing was the the degree of cover-up from the AFL and from the club that I don't think I ever sort of, like I never thought too much about. Like you don't think too much about it apart from the fact is how the hell did
1: Benny Cousins avoid Avoid any strikes or fail, not fail a drug test. Anymore. Well, let me let's give that context because I probably didn't do a good enough job of that in the in the start there. So, how the AFL has covered this up? They had an independent judge investigate the West Coast Playing Group and the West Coast Club for a period to find out if they could be charged with bringing the game into what was it? In, not into disrepute, Bring but something along those lines. It was a disrepute, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, but the, the period the AFL gave this investigator to charge them with anything was 2007 and beyond, which Weird. did not take into account done. earlier, the earlier period where they were at their absolute worst. And that's how they politicked their way out of it in interviews where Demetrio Gillen basically said, well, the independent judge said there was nothing worth nothing charging them. Here. But yep. that's, again, worth pointing out from 07 onwards. So moving the chess pieces to suit your agenda there but as far as west coast are concerned holy hell they were informed in 1999 the only reason they got
0: warnings was because they were running with bikies in northbridge it wasn't because they were taking drugs if they took their drugs and still turned up to training i mean this book should have come out in 2010 2015 but at least it's coming out now and you can sort of
1: impasse that rumor into into a bit more fact and what this, what this judge did is he looked into West Coast, found nothing to answer for on the basis, or nothing that they could be charged for, rather, beyond 2007. On the 2007, terms, that. On the terms that the it. AFL gave him, correct. Now, interestingly, he goes on to say in that article that his research showed the um, the well-known Chad Fletcher story, which is the flatlining in Las Vegas, and it goes to show it's worth reading and worth looking into. Um, this excerpt's available on the internet. But he talks about how other reporters knew about this. Senior AFL administrators knew about this. Club officials knew about this, but no one wanted to run with it for obvious reasons. And some of that, again, comes back to that access style and that boys' club and that mentality of the cover-up, which is where this all went wrong. You know, they had so many incidents. Ben Cousins, Daniel Kerr's a domestic violence abuser. There's Daniel Chick, Chick. yeah, exactly right. Chris Mainwaring overdosed and died. Chad Fletcher flatlined in Las Vegas. It's,
0: it's interesting It ruined Ben Cousins' life The fact that he thought He was invincible And was backed by the club Created that sort of aura about them And that was It came out on the field It's just like We can go all day We can, we can do everything We can do whatever we want And we're untouchable And that was how they played their footy And that's how they You know Hurt people close to them And guys died And you know relationships and criminal activity and all that other shit that came along with it was just a byproduct of it. But when they were on the footy field they were pretty bloody good and that was the problem.
1: If they were a shit side, nobody would have done like something would have been done. But they were the best side. Well that's right. Yeah the club the club turned a blind eye because they had on field success and financial success. That's the nature of the beast. They buried
0: it. They buried it so deep and you know it took as as the article that we were reading today, it took it took a an investigative reporter with no ties, no real ties to to the sport, to get to the bottom of it because he didn't care about you know stepping on toes or losing access or or doing whatever. He's just like, well, this is a story, and like that was what opened the whole can of worms because everybody's like, well, as it says in the article, it's like, well, well, the footy journalist got trumped. So they're like, oh, well, we've got to make up for lost time and find our own, you know, back page stories and things like that. And that's how it all snowballed from there. It's just, it's really, int- I, I think the whole story is going to be interesting regardless of the Eagles, but you've got the other parts. I'm sure there's going to be stuff on other other part of the darker areas of the game and the way that the traditional footy boys club has, has operated and how they're probably not going to be able to do that anymore.
1: All right. Well, anyway, I can't wait to read Mick Warner's book. The Boys Club. Uh, yep. Let me read a statement here. We'll move on to Collingwood. The Collingwood Football <laughs> Club. Oh boy, is this starting to get messy? I'll read the statement from the current board. The board of the Collingwood Football Club stands for unity, not division, and will therefore stand against coups driven by personal ambition. Not one, let alone four, of the current board is prepared to step aside to allow it. to allow a boardroom coup as proposed by Jeff Brown to proceed. A coup is not warranted, it has not been justified and cannot be justified, nor is it in step with good governance or the will of the members to agree to the demands of an individual member wanting only to be president. In any case, there is no vision, no ticket, no compelling strategy for you to consider or for us to step aside for. How could any board entertain a request to step aside without first knowing these things? Oh, boy, is it, it's about to get a bit ugly at Collingwood, I suspect.
0: Civil War. This needs to happen at Collingwood, I think. I think everything has happened over the last 30 years. They're all tied to Eddie Maguire. You can tell that he's still a puppeteer in the back, pulling strings, keeping his media keep commitments alive. They've got to do something, and it's up to the members of the club to make that if they can get like that bloke that was getting signatures at the game, if they can do that and keep doing that, that's going to be a lot more uh, a lot more effective than just Jeff Brown's coming in and saying, I want to run the club. It's like, no, the members have spoken. Get rid of the whole board. Get rid of the whole board start again.
1: Going to that bloke, he's now got more than some 2,500 signatures. He only needed 1,700 is what he believes to trigger an EGM. Trigger a spill. Yeah, well, an EGM at least. And... Uh, So they want to say, I mean, it it seems quite clear to me that Collingwood members want the right to vote, which they've never had. They want to see what's your stance, what's your stance, we'll vote. But, you know, people like Eddie, Mark Corder, even Jeff Brown seem very much not for the members having a part of this. The rank and file members of the football club are not their
0: concern and it should be their concern. And I think... Collingwood fans of whom we know a few, we know many, they've, they've had a gut full of just all the bullshit because they're treating them like they're idiots and don't allow these 10 figures at the head of the organisation speak for 90,000 people. Collingwood have created this situation. Um, they have not dealt with the situation well and now they're sowing this dissension that's going to spill into the fans. So they need to get out and get this get, get this figured out because either have the bloodletting or don't have the bloodletting, but let your members do the talking.
1: Righto, that's Collingwood. We think it'll yeah. get messier before it gets cleaner, that's for sure. So Absolutely. Let's step into some power rankings, Jono. Your number 18 and bottom team is... Hawthorne.
0: We're a uh, pretty rough... Rough side and not playing attractive football either. So, yeah, deservedly bottom because we got
1: beat by North. Fair call. I've got North there. They had the bye. Nothing's happened. They can stay down the bottom. Happy days for me. 17 for you.
0: North beat Hawthorne, so go in front of them just based on that alone.
1: For me, 17 this week is Hawthorne. They've dropped a spot on my rankings. Granted, they didn't play, but a team below them did and had a win. 16, sir.
0: Uh, Collingwood, I flirted with, uh, putting them higher up on this list, but this seems a bit, bit more of a sensible place to put them after a win over, uh, (laughs) over the Crows. and good to see Jamie Elliott back.
1: He had six. It was a good game. Uh, I also have Collingwood moving up just the one spot above Hawthorne who were idle. I do think that five point win was pretty impressive though. The, the whole rules that they had to sit with to get there and do that and to then go out and win on the road. In a rabid crowd, which is hard to do, regardless of how mediocre Adelaide are, still a good win. Good on them. Uh, from fifteenth, who do you have in there? I
0: had Adelaide because I, you know, I could have, I could have raised them up off a loss, and uh, decided not to do so. So they stay at uh, stay where they were.
1: Yeah, I've got St Kilda staying where they are. They put in a better performance. The umpires gave them every chance, but they still didn't win a winnable game against a team. Everyone predicted they'd be ahead of this year, and they're Mm. significantly behind them. So, St Kilda stay 15 for me, 14 for you.
0: Uh, Carlton, just pretty insipid. We've talked about
1: them enough. We have. Yeah, they were. (laughs) They were insipid. Uh, I've got Gold Coast. They sat idle. They didn't play. Can't put them above anybody for not doing anything. So, 14 for me is the Gold Coast. 13 for you,
0: Uh, St Kilda. Pretty much the same reasons as for Carlton. They
1: haven't showed anything whenever they've needed to show something and they drop because of it. Yeah, fair call. I've got Carlton in there. That's a drop for me. L- losing losing my trust. 12 for you?
0: I've got Gold Coast just by dinner, the fact that they didn't play. And I'm excited to see them after, the, after their bye. I think they could be pretty frisky. So they go ahead of two teams that
1: should have shown more but didn't. So. I've actually moved Adelaide up a spot above Carlton just because that's how disappointed by Carlton I was. Yeah. Adelaide probably could have beaten Collingwood. They didn't. That was a toss of the coin. These things happen. They're a young list that I didn't think would win more than two or three games. Carlton yeah. I thought would be a finalist or at least pressing and they're nowhere near it. So,
0: Yeah, when in doubt, go with the overachiever, not the
1: underachiever is how I'm sort of trying to look at it. Indeed, your 11th spot? Fremantle, that's about right for them. They're 11th for yeah. me too. Same yeah. spot for me. Uh, 10 for you.
0: Uh, GWS, no change.
1: Yeah, same for me. No, no change in the order there. GWS at 10. Number nine, sir. Essendon. I've dropped them
0: below the West Coast this week because they weren't, they weren't bad in the Dreamtime game, but in the end, you got beat by 40 points by a side that you want to be more competitive against because you're matching motors with them at the same
1: part of the ladder. So, yeah, they dropped below the West Coast. It was a strange game, the dream time. I, I was, until 10 minutes to go, I was right on board how good Essendon looked. And then they absolutely, the floodgates completely opened and Richmond tore them apart. So I've got them at nine as well. Number eight for you, who's in your top eight? West Coast, you know,
0: going across to neutral territory and beating a side that also had designs on a top eight spot without, you know, six or seven of your best players. It's pretty good.
1: I have West Coast at eight too. I had them there. They've stayed. They've stayed steady. There's not a lot of change on this list here. I had a good win, Undemand against Carlton, so tick for them.
0: All right. So number seven, I have Port. I've dropped them by, for the same reason that I rose up the Gold Coast. They didn't play, so you didn't really, you know, out of sight, out of mind. They're in that. They're in that mid-table
1: mix, though. You dropped them two spots on the back of not playing. That's... Whoa. Yeah,
0: well, I thought, I thought Richmond's win was really good and I thought Sydney's win was really good and there's not that much between them anyway. So, yeah, give them a rise.
1: Fair call. Number six for, oh sorry, num- my number seven is Sydney. I've still got them there. I, I mentioned my lack of trust in them. A nine-point win over St Kilda doesn't do much for me at home, but it's another win. They're eight and four. You can't argue with success.
0: It comes a time when you have to believe in their position on the table because it's there. It's in. It's 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 a fact.
1: Yeah, they're grinding games out. And I mean, had they had they held on against the Giants, we're talking about a nine and three team. So yeah, good luck to them. They're seventh yeah. for me, six for you.
0: Richmond, I was really impressed with them this week. They're um, if they can if they can sneak their way into the top four, look, it doesn't matter where they sneak it, where they are in the eight, they're a legitimate premiership hope still.
1: Yeah, they've got the runs on the board, don't they? They're they've six for it. me, but uh, you know they got West Coast next week in Perth, so you know that's that's a game I'm looking forward to again. The Eagles, but we'll take it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, um, and if they win that, they'll they'll probably catapult for mine. Uh, number five for you. I've got
0: yeah, I've got Sydney there. I've still got them. I've got them slightly ahead of Richmond because, as I said, they they they're converting. They're not as sexy as they were earlier in the year, but they're still putting games into young kids.
1: Yeah, I've got the power staying idle at five for me. They they got a big game as well this week. Geelong, top four, our power four. Who have we got at the top four for you, sir, Is Geelong, clearly a clear top four for me at this stage.
0: Geelong really good, but they need to uh, let the shackles go in the second half of the season. Well, they've got, they got Jesse Cameron and they've got Tom Hawkins.
1: They start acting like it. Yeah, they're four for me too. Geelong are four. I, I have that game against Richmond in the front of my mind. They were, that was the best footy I think I've seen this year from a team playing another really good team. Like I've seen the Doggies put together some pretty mm. fancy performances, but against teams not in their league. Geelong's game against Richmond was an absolute smacking. Number three for you. Doggies.
0: Bounce back well. No real holes in them. Like They've only been beaten by, by the two sides, of, you know. Two two pretty decent outfits, so it's bloody good.
1: Yeah, I've got Brisbane three. They dropped for me. Uh they got that second half they got shellacked. It was something like sixty seven to nineteen. It's not damning, but it's a bit of a worry. They've got a bit of history the last few years of not showing up at the biggest of big moments. Yeah, two for me is the Bulldogs. I'll jump into that for you know, they've bounced back, they've only lost two games for the year. They're a pretty good team. They've gone over to Subi and beaten Fremantle, which they should do, but they did it anyway, and that's what you got to do. I've got them at two. Your number two?
0: Uh, busted Brisbane back, just for the sake that they got beat. Ball don't lie. They had every opportunity to win, and they had an opportunity to probably dominate if they could have taken that opportunity. And as you said, they're a bit brittle when the acid gets put on them, so that's something to look at going forward. And your number one, sir? <laughs> well, it's a delightful time of the year at the moment. I've raised them up. I was happy to have put them at number two in the power rankings and then tipped them to beat Brisbane. That makes me feel better. But, yeah, clearly clearly
1: going the best in the comp at the moment, and deservedly so. It's a good team. <laughs> I'll just go with this.
0: It's a grand old bag. It's a high five fight. It's the emblem for me and for you.
1: I'm not getting sick of it. I'll tell you that much. To be in a bit more serious for a second, they have met every challenge. I, as a fan who is very, as you would know, as anyone who knows me would know, very slow to jump fully on board, to fully buy in. But with each win, a little better. And this one I thought was their best one. 20 points down and being dominated at half time, The defense hung them in there. And then once they got on top, boy, did they go away with it. I was so impressed.
0: Yeah, it... And what do you feel from a selection standpoint? Is there anything that you'd be looking to make changes with or you'd
1: sort of like... No, I don't don't want him to, to be honest with you. I, I, you know, Weed hasn't done much yet, but Ben Brown, I didn't think we were playing our best with Ben Brown up there. His second efforts don't exist. And while Weed's not clunking a bunch, he does give quite a big second effort. So that's for me what I'd like. I know I called it in in our pre-season pod that Tom McDonald will be back, but holy crap is that man back. It's all Australian, Tom McDonald. It's always been a talented list. Like, I've always believed they're talented. I just didn't know if they'd put it together mentally. And they see how they've put it together mentally.
0: Yeah. They're a lot more comfortable in their own skins as a team, which is really good. And I think that's the growth of Petrarca from year on year. Like Last year was his big breakout year. and, And it was, oh, can he do it? And it's like, yeah, he can do it again. But he's also added that some other elements and they're all doing it for each other in the team. And you've got selfless guys like, they're going to be really hard to get past.
1: People are starting to believe and anyone who doesn't at this point is just being a bit deliberately obtuse at this point, I think. Thank you for listening to another episode of Sports Speak. For more information on the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at sports underscore speak underscore podcast. And we'll be back with more soon.